Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. We have reached the end of season one of Tales from the Mooseverse, but we couldn't end the season without returning to a character we know many of you love. We first met this character back in episode two with Walter and Wheezy, the frogs of Central Park. But we know many of you are curious to learn more about this character's backstory. So, to close out season one, here is part one of the secret origin of Unpredictable Horse. Of course, his name was not really Unpredictable Horse. His name was Ringo. He grew up on a farm in Colorado in the late 1990s, along with two dozen other horses. While others would follow the humans around and respond to calls and training, Ringo would look off into the vast skies to stare at the rock formations and mountains in the distance and use his hooves to draw pictures of what he saw in the dirt. When no humans were around, he would sometimes climb trees. It was hard to do at first. He was a horse, after all. But even as a foal, he was the most goat-like horse you could imagine. And just like a goat, he could climb. He didn't start with trees, of course. I mean, he tried to start with trees, but they were a little hard. So he started with rocks, hay bales, barrels, rock walls anything he could practice on while no one was looking. Once he'd mastered those, he moved up. What in tarnation? One of the farmers said when he saw Ringo halfway up a small blue spruce. Later, the farmer convinced himself that he'd imagined the whole thing. A horse can't climb trees, after all. Ringo watched birds fly overhead, from small juncos and chickadees to large ospreys and bald eagles. He loved watching how their wings moved and how they would push the air behind them to propel them forward. Ringo didn't have wings, so he used what he did have, his legs. They didn't seem to work to make him fly, but they did move him forward, and if he pushed in just the right way, he did get off the ground for a brief second. He was also interested in the food that the people ate. It was different than the food the horses were given, and one day, after hearing some of the people talk about how much they enjoyed the breakfast they'd eaten, waffles, he practiced saying that word to himself over and over again, hoping that one day he would get to try some of these waffles himself. Ringo would sometimes try to share his interests with the other horses around him, but he couldn't even tell if the other horses really understood what he was saying to them. They only really seemed interested in eating, galloping, and spending time with the people who looked after them. Ringo liked the people, but he also liked the clouds, the way flowers bloomed, and the noise of an airplane in the sky. He imitated to himself. As they grew, he and the other horses were given harnesses and saddles, and for a few hours each day, people led them around the fields in an orderly procession. At first, this was exciting. Each day, he thought he had a new human friend he could share his interests with, but the new friends didn't seem to want to go where he wanted to take them. They seemed more interested in leading him in line behind other horses. This routine soon changed, with people riding on the horses' backs instead of walking in front. Ringo had watched people ride motorbikes and tractors and wondered if he was one of those now. He snorted to make the right sound, but couldn't figure out how to make his legs spin in circles the way that wheels do. The person riding on his back nudged him with a gentle kick. Ringo gave up on his attempted transformation and instead fell in line with the other horses. They all walked slowly along a dusty path. Ringo looked up and saw a sparrow flitting about in the clear blue sky and wished he could join it in its dance. 
After months of these daily walks, Ringo and the other horses were led out of their fields and taken closer to the red rock formations he had looked at so often. When he realized what was happening, Ringo's eyes widened. He was so excited. Now he had new places to climb. As they made their way along a path between two large rock formations, Ringo edged off the path to one of the rocks. His rider made noises and pulled his reins. Ringo stepped on the bottom slope of the rock, but his rider kicked him harder, and Ringo sadly made his way back to join the line. Over his next few steps, though, he saw something on his front feet. Red dust. Proof that he had made it onto a rock. He beamed with pride. After they got back home and his rider dismounted, Ringo heard him say to someone else, I don't know if this one is going to make it through the training. He's unpredictable. We might have to just keep him on the ranch. Ringo looked down at his feet and was sad to see that the red dust had all gone. If he ever wanted to go back, he'd have to do what was expected of him. A week of guided ranch walks later, Ringo was disguising himself well as a normal rule-following horse. He joined the others on a guided walk through the red rocks. He'd longed to climb back on the rocks and get red dust back on his feet to explore this garden of the gods, as he had heard someone call it. But he felt sure that if he did, he might not be able to come back. And this was too beautiful to miss seeing on a daily basis, just for a few moments of fun. So he held himself back from rock climbing, and the people in charge seemed impressed. After a few more days of walks like these, he found out where so many of the other horses disappeared to sometimes. It turned out that they went on the same walking paths, but this time with other people riding them, people they hadn't met before, who were excited to see the same red rocks that Ringo himself loved. So when a rider climbed on his back, Ringo decided it would be unfair not to take him to explore the rocks up close. Ringo was toward the back of the line of horses, but found it hard to be patient, and occasionally jumped out of line to pass some of the others. The guides, on the horses at the front and the rear, yelled at Ringo to get back in line. He felt embarrassed, and did as he was told, but he felt sad. He was letting his rider down. Yeah, the guide at the rear said with a sneer to Ringo's rider as he rode past. Your horse likes to be a little different than the others. That's a good thing the rider said in a quiet voice directly to Ringo and patted him gently on the neck. Ringo felt excited and affirmed by his rider. He liked being his own creature. The guide's comment was meant to be an insult, but Ringo proudly accepted it. He was different. The group of horses continued on, riding up a path higher up the hillside between a large rock formation and a group of juniper trees. Fwomp! came a sound from his left like a massive amount of air being pushed by a pair of enormous wings. Ringo looked through a gap in the rock formation to follow the sound. He assumed everyone would be looking, but he quickly realized his head was perfectly positioned so that he had heard it very clearly, but no one else had. As he looked, he saw the pair of enormous wings that had made the sound. They were orange and belonged to a creature he'd never seen before. This was not a bird. It was huge and scaly. He couldn't see much through the gap, but this creature looked fierce. Naturally, Ringo ran towards it. Whoa! shouted the rider on his back, unsure of how to handle this sudden change of behavior. Ringo neighed to say, You see that too, right? Of course we're going after that. But the rider didn't seem to understand and called out to the guides, Uh, a little help here? The guide at each end responded by stopping the whole line of horses, and they each started to ride towards Ringo. 
Ringo looked through the gap in the rock formation. He couldn't let this enormous scaly creature get away. He had to go see it up close. If he waited any longer, the guides would stop him, or make enough noise that this creature might leave. It was now or never. He decided it was now. The guides made a move. Don't restrict me, he neigh shouted, and ran as fast as he could toward the gap in the rocks. He wasn't 100% sure he could fit through it, and from the shouting coming from his back, it was clear his rider wasn't sure either. A few feet from the rocks, his rider panicked and jumped off. Ringo missed the commotion of the guides coming to check on the rider. He was too busy leaping through the space between the rocks with the precision of an eagle focused on its prey. Once he was through, his view of the giant orange creature widened, and so did Ringo's eyes. W-w-waffles, he whispered to himself. Without the rocks in the way, and now seeing that the ground sloped down in front of him, he could see just how enormous this creature was. Larger than any other living creature he had ever seen. Despite its size and its obvious power and strength, Ringo wasn't intimidated at all. He found himself drawn to it. The creature hadn't seen him yet, but Ringo made some noise as he slid down the dusty slope, and the creature turned its head to face the sound. The creature's fearsome features gave way to a look of regret, and Ringo heard its deep, booming voice quietly whisper, Oh no. Ringo could tell something was about to happen, and with the full momentum of his run still with him and a giant woohoo, he jumped from the dusty slope and landed on the creature's back right as an orange glow filled the air around them. Within moments, the glow was all Ringo could see, and his whole world changed forever. Moments later, the rider and guides looked through the gap in the rocks to see where Ringo had run off to. Their perch gave him a clear view of the valley below, but Ringo was nowhere to be seen. Disappeared, too, was the giant orange scaly creature. But, of course, neither the rider nor the guides were looking for a dragon. Well, I'm glad you're okay, said one guide to the rider. I don't know what to tell you. That horse always was an unpredictable one. And then, just to make sure everyone was on the same page, he added, But, you know... No refunds. To be continued in Season 2 of Tales from the Mooseiverse. We hope you have enjoyed Season 1 of Tales from the Mooseiverse as much as we have enjoyed making it. If you've liked Season 1 and want to help others find us, we would love it if you would leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make a huge difference in helping podcasts find a wider audience. We'll post a separate trailer episode to let you know how you can support a successful Season 2. To make sure you don't miss out on any information about Season 2, please sign up for our newsletter on mooseiverse.com. Very special thanks to all of you who have sent in stories over the last few months as audio, video, written stories, or pictures. Keep sending them in to hello at mooseiverse.com. We'll add them to the website mooseiverse.com and include snippets in Season 2. And who knows, maybe your ideas will come to life in the Mooseiverse. Tales from the Mooseiverse was written by me, Ian Jackson, with contributions from Angel, Sam, Matthew, and Emily Jackson. Our audio engineer is Trevor Whitaker Black, and our artwork was created by Phil Hodgkiss. Our intro and outro music is Easy Stroll by J-Man. We're enormously grateful for all that they've done to make Season 1 such a success. Thanks for listening! See you in season two.